This, this morning I'd like for you to um, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. As you turn there, it's been some time since we've been in the book of Proverbs. And so even though we'll have a specific focus on verses 21 to 26, I'd like for us to read from verse 1 as we remember some of the themes that we have covered so far from the book of Proverbs. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, and by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps were broken up, and the skies dripped with dew. My son... Let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in the way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. <clears throat> now, as I've stated, it's been several months since we've been in the book of Proverbs. And so I believe a little bit of a review to catch us up to speed and to bring us up to verses 21 to 26 is in order. Now, if you recall, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, 
we began, we took um, about three weeks and we looked at essentially six blessings that accompany wisdom. Again, I remind you of those. First, we said that wisdom brings life and peace. Second, we said wisdom brings favor with God and man. Third, wisdom brings righteousness. Fourth, wisdom brings healing. Fifth, wisdom brings prosperity. And sixth, wisdom brings loving correction. Now, if you're visiting with us and you had not had an opportunity to listen to those uh, previous sermons, I would encourage you to do so, uh, lest you walk away with the impression that we teach the prosperity gospel here at Grace Fellowship Church. Certainly, we uh, do not. So I encourage you to review those sermons. But moving on to verses 13 to 20, we then began to see the value of wisdom. In verses 13 to 18, we saw the value of wisdom to man. And then in verses 19 to 20, we saw the value of wisdom to God. Again, in, verse nine, in verses 19 to 20, we read, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up, broken up and the skies drip with dew. And so this morning, we want to continue along the lines of the value of wisdom. Again, to the wise son, Wisdom, indeed, is valuable. It is valuable, for one thing, because of the protection that it affords. We will see that this morning in our text. In particular, we want to explore how it is that wisdom offers protection under these three headings. First, keep wisdom. Second, walk in your way. And third, do not be afraid. So again, keep wisdom, walk in your way, and do not be afraid. Solomon again writes, My son, let them not vanish from your sight. In the first place, the word vanish simply means to not let something be lost from view. Now, there are some things indeed that we wish would simply vanish. No doubt you've been hearing about the escalating tension in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas, and some have uh, said that it might even usher in World War III and the, and the end of the world, right? And so you may be losing sleep over these things. The news of the, the deaths and everything taking place over in the Middle East might make you, make you wish that all of that would just simply vanish. Or... 
perhaps death is a little more personal as we see the effects of disease upon the body of someone that we love we may wish that the sickness and disease would just simply vanish or perhaps the malady is spiritual you may be suffering from wrestling with the guilt and the stain of sin. And maybe you wish that that would simply just vanish. But I want to remind you that indeed there is a remedy for that. If you recall last week, Pastor Greg reminded us of Leviticus 16 of what occurred on the Day of Atonement. If you recall, going through Leviticus 16, there was uh, lots that were cast, and the lot that fell on a particular goat called the scapegoat, the priest laid all of the sins of the people on that goat and led it out to the wilderness. You might recall how Pastor Greg described of, of, of that scene of how the people would see this scapegoat going out into the wilderness, getting smaller and smaller and smaller until it would be lost from view, until it would vanish. Again, the old covenant people would have to repeat the Day of Atonement, year after year after year. But I want to remind you that there is one who has come, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed once for all, who has taken away sin. So I want to encourage you today, if you trust in who he is, if you believe, if you put your faith and your hope in Christ, then your sins, too, can vanish. Amen? Now, in the verses we have before us, however, the wise son is exhorted to not let something vanish. He is to not let something be lost from view. He is not to let go of something, but rather he is to keep it. And what is that thing that he is to keep? It is sound wisdom and discretion. Now, in the first place, the word keep means to observe, to guard and to watch over. It's the idea like when you take your children to the beach for the first time. Maybe they're very young, maybe they don't really know how to swim, and so you take them into the waters and you're observing them, right? You're keeping watch over them. You may even hold on to their hands because you know there is danger. There is the danger of them being taken out by the waves and drowning, and so you keep watch over them. Or maybe to give the sports analogy, 
It's like the goalkeeper in a, in a soccer game, right? They're keeping watch over the goal. They're guarding the goal, right? They're trying to keep the opponent's ball out of the goal. And so they have to be vigilant. They have to be diligent. And this, again, is the same idea that we have with this word keep. The wise son is exhorted to keep sound wisdom and discretion. In other words, the wise son is to observe, to guard, to watch over sound wisdom and discretion, or as some verses translate it, understanding. Now, this wisdom and understanding that Solomon speaks of, as I've uh, often said, it's not just about making advantageous decisions. No, rather the wisdom that Solomon refers to has a strong moral component to it. For instance, in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 3, it is characterized by righteousness, justice, and equity. Again, the type of wisdom that Solomon refers to is found within the context of a relationship with God through the fear of the Lord. Again, we saw that in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It is also described as skillfulness, right, as that of a craftsman. Again, we last time looked at that in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. And so wisdom in the book of Proverbs is is robust, it's multifaceted. And so the wise son is charged with guarding and observing sound wisdom and understanding. Now for those who guard wisdom, we will see from our text, they are guarded by God. Again, <clears throat> wisdom by the grace of God is not silent. As we recall in Proverbs chapter 1, she lifts up her voice and she cries out. And she cries out the words of Scripture. For in the Scripture, we find the Word of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus says to the Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. You know, sometimes we forget that studying the scriptures is not the same thing as communing with God through the scriptures. To be sure, communing with God through the scriptures does involve studying. It does in involve meditating. It does involve all these things. But that in and of itself is not the goal. The goal is relationship building. The goal is transformation. 
It is to observe and to marvel at the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ. It is to find joy in learning about and doing what Christ commands. And so, as Solomon goes on to say back in Proverbs 3, sound wisdom, a.k.a. the words of Jesus Christ, will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Again, the words of Christ are life-giving words. Think of what Jesus says, for instance, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Or again, John 3, 16 to 17. Very familiar passage again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then it goes on to say, For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Or again, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Again, the words of Christ give life to the soul. They are beautiful as an adornment around the neck. In fact, the words of Christ are more precious and valuable than any necklace of silver and gold. And so we must read and study and meditate upon it. And again, I'm not just talking about the red letters, but all of it, right? The Bible is one unified love letter to God's people written in his very own blood. So let the word of God find entrance into your heart. And there may it form deep roots. For the word of God will indeed be life to your soul. Now, Another way in which we are to keep sound wisdom and understanding is simply by doing what the word of God says. Again, James chapter 1 verses 23 to 25 states, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, He has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man is blessed in what he does. You see, 
It's not just about holding fast to reform doctrine, but it is also about having your life reformed by doctrine. For again, the blessing that the book of James promises is not just in hearing the word of God, but also in doing it. This leads us then to point number two, which is walk in your way. Walk in your way. Solomon goes on to say, then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Solomon here points to a benefit and a blessing of keeping sound wisdom and understanding. He says that the result of keeping sound wisdom and understanding is that the wise son will walk in his way securely. In other words, as he lives his life, he is secure. His foot will not stumble. Now, in the first place, we know that this is definitely true of all believers spiritually, right? Spiritually speaking, our salvation is secure. It will never be lost. And we will never stumble to the point of destruction. Again, nothing can separate us from Christ. All of our sins, past, present, and future, have been nailed to the cross. And even if the body should die, yet we shall live. But you know, God does not stop there. Though his spiritual care would certainly be enough, Many times his protection extends into the physical as well. God protects his children. But his children are also protected by the way in which they walk. Now, I want to impress upon you for a moment that there is a distinct way in which the wise son walks. Often when the Bible speaks of the way in which we walk, it is a reference to our habitual lifestyle. And so Paul, for instance, after mentioning the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So then, I ask you this question, Christian. Is your life characterized by walking by the Spirit. To put it another way, does your life display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness and self-control? Or do you walk in a way that is consistent with the deeds of the flesh? Paul again writes in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, again, signaling that this is not a exhaustive list, but rather a representative list, he goes on to say, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, Paul here is writing to believers, or to put it in the words of Proverbs 3, those who profess to be wise sons. He says that it is obvious that those who walk in this manner, though they profess to be wise, will stumble. And they will stumble to their own destruction. Let that sink in for a moment. Meditate upon that truth for one moment. Paul again says, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, am I saying that you can lose your salvation? By no means. However, we must also recognize that Paul is here writing these sobering words to the church. He writes to those who may be self-deceived. He says that if you live in this way, then there is no protection for your soul. Your foot will stumble and you will be ruined. Realize that the author of Hebrews says that these things that happened to God's old covenant people happened for our instruction. Now, what kind of things, you ask? Things like Deuteronomy 32, 35, which states, Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will stumble. For the day of their disaster is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. Now, in a famous sermon entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, Jonathan Edwards says this in regards to Deuteronomy 
32, 35. He says, in this verse is threatened the vengeance of God on the wicked, unbelieving Israelites who were God's visible people and who lived under the means of grace, but who, notwithstanding all God's wonderful works towards them, remained void of counsel, having no understanding in them. Under all the cultivations of heaven, they brought forth bitter and poisonous fruit. Again, Christian, if your life is characterized by the deeds of the flesh, then there is no protection for your soul. In the end, only eternal damnation awaits. And in due time, your foot will stumble. Your only way of escape is to cast off your false pretense. Instead, turn to the Lord in true faith and repentance. He will save you, and he will make you a wise son. Again, to the wise son who keeps sound wisdom and understanding, his foot will never stumble into eternal damnation, and he shall have no cause for fear. This leads us now to our final point, which is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Solomon again writes, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Simply put, whether waking or sleeping, the wise son is protected as he goes about his business. World War III may very well break out, but the wise son can rest and even have sweet sleep in the midst of chaos. And why is that? Because his confidence is in the Lord. His hope rests in a God who protects his people. And if our confidence is in the Lord, then we have no reason for fear. Look at it from a different perspective. We are protected from the worst thing that can ever happen to us. And what is that? It is hell. Jesus says in Matthew 10, verse 28, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Again, if your confidence is in Christ, then you are 
protected. And if that was all the protection that was afforded to us, that would be enough. But once again, God's protection often goes beyond this. One illustration of this I find in uh, the book of Acts, um, Acts chapter 12. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. And we'll read from verse 1. Okay. <clears throat> says Now about that time Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them and he had James the brother of John put to death with a sword When he saw that it pleased the Jews he proceeded to arrest Peter also Now it was during the days of unleavened bread when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and Uh, and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. (coughs) And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Now, As we consider Acts chapter 12, I want to first emphasize that though God often protects his children, he does not always protect them from physical harm. As we see in the very beginning of this chapter, James was put to death. And Peter was no better than James In fact, it was the intention of Herod that Peter would also follow in the footsteps of James. But God rescued him and protected him from physical harm. Peter knew that even though these men could kill his body, yet his soul was secure. And so he did not fear. God was his confidence. And so even while he was chained between two guards in a prison, he slept. And his sleep was sweet 
It was so good, in fact, that the angel had to strike him in order to wake him up. You see, sometimes in the midst of certain stressful situations, the best thing that you can do is to make sure that you get some quality rest. See, that's not our natural inclination, though, is it? Right? We want to stay awake and to worry about all the possible outcomes of a particular situation. And this act of depriving yourself of any type of sleep, rather than bringing forth benefits, actually does the opposite. Now, it was said that a 17-year-old young man by the name of Randy Gardner held the record for going the longest time without rest. It said that in 1964 that he went 11 days without any sleep as part of a science experiment. During this time, he experienced a range of negative side effects, including hallucinations, cognitive impairment, and mood disturbances. Now, if you don't get the sense that rest is important, let me briefly mention a list of things that studies show that can accompany chronic sleep deprivation. Memory problems, difficulty concentrating, Reduced decision-making abilities, irritability, mood swings, impaired coordination and reaction times, a weakened immune system, an increased risk of chronic diseases such as obesity, diabetes, and cardiovascular diseases, and microsleeps. Say, what is a microsleep? Microsleeps are brief episodes of sleep that can occur without warning, even while a person is trying to stay awake. I have a smile on my face because I finally know what to call what some of my brothers suffer from. <laughs> Microsleeps. But again, God gives his people rest. He gives them rest for their souls in Christ, as well as physical rest for their bodies, even in the midst of trials. Psalm 127 verse 2 states, it is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Now, the <coughs> older um, translations actually render this verse a little differently. And so, for instance, the New King James Version says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. So, <coughs> The idea then is that either that God provides for his children even as they sleep or 
if the older translations are right, that God uniquely blesses his children with sleep. And so as one commentator notes, the meaning evidently is that God bestows sleep upon his people in some sense in which it is not bestowed on others, or that there is, in regard to their case, something in which they differ from those who are so anxious and troubled, who rise so early for the sake of gain, who toil so late, who eat the bread of care. The idea seems to be that there would be calmness, repose, freedom from anxiety or solicitude. God makes the mind of his people, his beloved, calm and tranquil, while the world around them is filled with anxiety and restlessness, busy, bustling, worried. As a consequence of this calmness of mind and of their confidence in him, they enjoy undisturbed repose at night. Again, I say to you, do not be so burdened with the cares of this world that you neglect to rest. Put your confidence in the Lord and rest in him. Each day he will give to you what you stand in need of. So do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid for your God shall supply all your needs. In closing, I think of the words of the hymn Day by Day by Caroline Sandel. In verse 1, she writes, Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Amen. May the Lord, therefore, as, as we hear the word, impress upon our heart the truths that we hear today. May we, therefore, as wise sons, keep sound wisdom and understanding. May we walk securely in our way, knowing that God is our confidence, and may we find rests rest in these truths. Let us go to the Lord in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son into the world to save a people such as we. We thank you indeed that there is first and foremost, rest for our souls. Again, if that was all that there was, that would be enough. For none of us are deserving of your mercy and your grace.
For by its very definition, grace and mercy is something that is not earned, that is not deserved. And yet, Lord, you go beyond this. We are so grateful and thankful for all of the ways in which you provide for your people, in which you care for your people. Help us once more to put our confidence in you. In the midst of all of the, the, the trials and tribulations that we uh, pass through in this world, help us to have a calmness, have a, a trust in our God who cares for us. Help us to come to you, Lord, to not be anxious for anything, but come to you with prayer and supplication, for indeed you care for your people. Your ears are towards your people. And this too, Lord, we, we do not deserve. We, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love and your grace towards your people. I pray indeed that you would take this word, Lord, and impress it upon the hearts of all those within the sound of my voice, that you would accomplish all that you have set out <clears throat> to do this morning. For those who are weak and weary, may they indeed find rest, rest for their souls. Lord, we pray for those who do not know you, who are weighed down by the guilt and stain of sin, Lord that they too might look to the Savior and find rest for their souls. We thank you, Lord, for indeed you are still building your church and you are still accomplishing all things to the praise and glory of your name. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.